All right, today we come to John chapter 4. And here Jesus has an encounter with a Samaritan woman at the well, and he heals an official son. The main event is his conversation with the woman at the well. So let's briefly consider some things we find here. Uh, we're just going to think about two things, I think, from this chapter today. One has to do with living water. As Jesus was making a journey from the region of Judea to Galilee, verse 3, he decided, contrary to many Jews of that day, to pass through the region of Samaria, verse 4. It was the most direct route, yet many Jews, uh, practically all Jews of that day, avoided the region of Samaria and would take rather uh, a longer route so as not to come into contact with a Samaritan or anything with which, which a Samaritan would have touched. So Jews believed it would have made them ceremonially unclean before God. Samaritans were the race of people resulting from Jews intermarrying with people from other ethnicities that began probably back in the Old Testament when they were conquered by the Assyrians. Thus, Samaritans were only half Jews, and so Jews strictly avoided contact with them. It would have been quite shocking for Jewish readers of John's Gospel when they read here that Jesus not only traveled through Samaria, but he also sat down at the well of a Samaritan and drank water from a Samaritan's vessel. As the story goes, it quickly becomes apparent that Jesus is intent on taking this opportunity to make his true identity and glory known to this Samaritan woman. After he asks her for a drink of water, he tells uh, her that if she realized who he was, she would be the one asking him for water, and not just any water, living water. Now, in that day, when people spoke of living water on a daily, daily basis, they were most often uh, referring to uh, drinking water. They preferred living water from a moving spring rather than uh, water from a stagnant pool. I mean, wouldn't you? But here, when Jesus claims that he could give this Samaritan woman living water, he is referring to something much more than fresh spring water. When Jesus offered her living water, he was referring to something long talked about in the Old Testament. Verses, frankly, that she may not be familiar with because Samaritans also only considered the first five books of the Bible to be scripture. And so these verses that talked about this living water come from the prophets later in the Old Testament. For example, the Lord says in Jeremiah 2.13, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cistern, cisterns that can hold no water. See also Jeremiah 17.13. And there, the Lord calls himself the fountain of living waters the one who truly satisfies more than any other broken thing we might seek as a substitute. And also consider what we read in Zechariah uh, chapter 14, verses 8 and 9. On that day, living waters shall flow out from Jerusalem, and the Lord will be king over all the earth. The prophecy there is that the Lord himself would come one day, uh, the fountain of living waters would come one day, and reign as king and joy would be found in knowing and serving him. This is the message that underlies Jesus' words when he tells her that if she realized who, she, who he was, she would have asked him for refreshment, and he would have given her, given her living water that would fully and forever satisfy her. 
and would, in fact, impart eternal life. The same is obviously true for us as well. Else why record these teachings for us in Scripture? Just as to her, Jesus offers himself to us as the fountain of living waters who can satisfy us as nothing else can and ensure us eternal life, where in his presence there is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Psalm 1611. Secondly and finally, let's think about what he says about my food. Jesus demonstrated his own joy in doing the will of his Father when he told his disciples in reply to their desire for food. He says in verse 34, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and accomplish his work. That satisfied him more than any physical food. It's interesting to note, though, that while there is something we can take away from this for ourselves, there is another aspect of what Jesus says here that is uniquely true only for him. I mean, like him, we can find real satisfaction in obedience to the will of God. But unlike him, however, we do not share the same exact work that Jesus came to accomplish. This verse is not so much um, uh, simply about the importance of obeying the will of God as much as it is highlighting the active obedience to God of Jesus for us and for our salvation. Notice again the language of the verse. He could have said it was the Father's will that he delighted in. But instead, he says it was the will, quote, of him who sent me. Sent him to do what? He sent him to accomplish his work. So Jesus came, was sent, but came willingly to accomplish a work, namely salvation for all who receive him. We noted this aspect in other Gospels, and we see it again here, that for us and for our salvation, Jesus needed not only to go to the cross, but to, but to go to the cross as one having perfectly obeyed and fulfilled the law of God for us who have spurned and, disobe and disobeyed it. At the end of his ministry, on the night when he was betrayed, Jesus would pray and say to the Father in chapter 17, verse 4, he says, quote, I have glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work you gave me to do. And it is in, eternally important to us that as Jesus went to the cross, he went as a sinless sacrifice who had been perfectly obedient in our place. When you sin and fail, and sin and fail we all will and do, remember not only that Jesus has died and paid the price for your sin, but that he lived a whole life of perfect obedience so that when the Lord looks at you as you are trusting in Jesus, he sees not only the blood uh, of his life in uh, uh, your place, but also the perfect life of Christ in your place. When he sees the cross, he sees you. When he sees you, he sees Jesus. That is a beautiful truth.